Once Upon a Time Season 5 Episode 10 is over, but we are just getting started here on Once Upon a Recap. Hello, all you magical people out there. My name is Mike Bloom, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and I'm joined by a man who went on his own cruise across the River Styx and has returned to us. It is Kurt Clark. Kurt, how was your trip? Good, good. I uh, didn't encounter any boats full of dark ones, so that was nice. I gotta say, I'm loving the mask, Kurt. It really fits you nicely. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've not, I've not gone full crocodile yet, though. No, not full croc. You're uh, you're approaching. You're half. You've gone half croc at this point, but not go. full croc. So we are here. Is the second to last episode of this half season of Once Upon a Time, and uh, after a, a momentary break from in the action, where we had a trip to Dunbrock uh, in the Bear King at the second half of the episode two weeks ago, it has. We saw the birth of Dark Hook two episodes ago, and now I feel Kurt. This was a real coming out party for. Hook as the Dark One. Before we really jump into things, overall, how how have you been enjoying Hook as the Dark One thus far? Um, his hair's messier. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me a little bit of uh, when Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man Three like take gets infested with the venom and becomes emo yeah. Spider-Man, but he also kind of like dances as well. So I don't know how emo he is, but it definitely I was seeing shades of that a little bit. I mean, I'd have to go back to some of the earlier seasons before Hook became kind of a kind of started to to drift towards the heroic side of things. I think we've kind of he's 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 tapped back into some of that. I think, um, but. Yeah, you know, it, it it looked promising for he, him and Emma, but no, uh, not, not quite sure where things are going right now. Yeah, so like you said, I, I think this hook is definitely hearkening back to the first time we saw him in season two when he really was more of this uh, villain with shades of heroism to him when he first saw him working with Korra. That being said, uh, Dark Hook is kind of a bunghole in this episode he's he's he just like we've seen the different shades of being the dark one but it seems like uh hook as the dark one has the biggest uh the, the biggest bully qualities to him he says some really mean things this episode that i haven't heard emma or mr gold say as the dark one i mean this is the first time when somebody who has a villainous past has become the dark one at least in terms of like the people that we've seen with gold with with emma even with nimue um this is somebody who was a villain kind of became a hero but you know but you know has mentioned many times before that he's he's been trying to get away from the darkness and emma threw him right back into it yeah absolutely and we are seeing you know vast repercussions for emma's actions in this episode and i i don't think we we spoke obviously a lot about this big twist uh in our in our episode eight podcast but i have to say again i mean i also love this this decision on the creator's part to have our you know, we usually have our late game big bad where you think, oh, one person's the real villain, but nope, there's this giant presence looming that's actually the villain. You know, we, I'm thinking of uh, the the author in last season, or even you know, you could say the the Snow Queen uh, when you initially thought that Elsa was the main villain. So I feel like in making it a character that we actually know, in making it hook a character that we've already fully invested in, I think it makes the stakes that much higher. And I actually, even though there were some some questionable leaps of logic here that I'm sure we're going to talk about, I actually really enjoyed this episode to watch people now interact with each other, now knowing that one of their own is a dark one and is on the path towards unmitigated evil. Right. And I think we can officially close the book on Camelot. I think like we've we we've caught up from the you know, from soup to nuts in terms of the entire 
span of memory loss. And I'm sure they can find little, you know, stories to tell about the further adventures of Ruby and Mulan. But um, for the for the most part, you know, we we've seen I think all of the Camelot questions answered, uh, and I'm not sure if we'll be going back there or not. Yeah, because we found out this episode, as I think we we both estimated that we'd find out how the curse got enacted. And that happens in the very end of the, of these flashback scenes, this episode. And yeah, I completely agree. I, I don't see any reason why they should go back to that setting unless there's some sort of, you know, 11th hour twist that nobody knew about, uh, that gets revealed. But I mean, we, we tied up our loose ends. We know why we know Merlin's dead. We see for some reason why Lancelot wasn't there. We saw how everyone got swept up in the curse and we saw how everyone ended up knocked out in the floor of granny. So it pretty much, you know, everything was pretty much tied up by the end of this episode in terms of the flashback. Yeah. Although I do have to say that looking back on previous, you know, mid season finales, this is the least wrapped up one episode before the, uh, they go bye-bye for a couple months. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we have talked in the past about how once upon a time, what they like to do is they usually like to wrap things up the main storyline up, especially season three is a big example of this where they'd wrap up the main conflict, like, one or two episodes before the mid-season finale. I'm thinking like the, the Neverland stuff. They actually got off of Neverland. Mm-hmm. And I think episode nine and 10 and 11 were all about like, oh, but Pan is actually in Henry's body. Uh, and so I, I think that I completely agree. I mean, and they've set up this catastrophic conflict for next week. And I'm sure we'll talk at the end about yeah. whether I, I'm questioning at this point, whether this is going to be resolved over the course of one mere hour yes. next week. Yes. Let, let's make sure we bookmark that and come back to that topic. But let's start at the very beginning here. Uh, as we see hook kind of his, the dark one being conceived and uh, we get a lot of, a lot of uh, Mila talk and a lot of Mila flashback action going on here, Kurt, because I guess that was, you know, hooks, one of hooks, most villainous moments that we've seen of him, on the show, but we actually get to see like how a dark one is created from the beginning. It was almost like one of those, like uh, those films you watched in school of like, this is the behind the scenes of a factory. This is how we make chocolate. Like I was waiting for Mark Summers to come out and give fun facts about what's going on with the black goo. Yeah. It, it great old double dare host. Um, the, it, it was, it was interesting. It, it, I wasn't really sure at first if like when we kind of cut to that scene, you know, what was necessarily going on. And then I kind of pieced it together. Okay. I think this is the dark one vault. Okay. He's getting taken by the darkness. And then sure enough, there, you know, it looks like you're trying to become a dark one today. How can I help you? Yeah. Dark Clippy is back. And it seems like, you know, he's been spotty. His reception has been spotty the past few episodes ever since, uh, Emma figured out how to get rid of him, but he's in full force here as he is giving the tutorial as to uh, how to initiate a new dark one. He's really going to be Hook's guide here slash his sort of conscious uh, in, in lieu of, you know, I wish Archie had been there to actually be his conscience, but uh, he seems to be his guide here and especially turning him against Emma and sort of basically doing, t- making Hook kind of strike out on his own like he did with Emma. Yeah. And it's luckily, you know, Hook is not surprised by this. I mean, he and Emma were very frank about the fact that that uh, Rumpelstiltskin uh, appears in his in his kind of in his mind and like in his peripheral vision and, and and talks to him. So he wasn't he was it seemed like he was actually kind of prepped for it. Um, and his his plans were just to completely ignore Rumple. Um, but you know, he dangles that carrot of revenge in front of him and uh, understands okay you know what the thing the thing that you want most is 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 revenge and you want to basically kill me so let me help you 
Yeah, and it is it is very strange to hear Robert Carlyle as Rumpelstiltskin saying, "Oh, you must kill Mister Gold." Like it just that just seems another two different characters at this point, but it just seems a little weird to hear. Yeah, it was it it, it took me a couple moments to like realize. Wait, uh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, you need to. We just need to keep reminding ourselves that the rumple, the the crocodile that we see from now on is just the inner voices of the dark one, uh, and so he's a, he's more of a represent, representation of that than anything. That we'll see that Nimue is the one true voice of the dark one later on. Yeah. So as our heroes get to the vault, but it's too late, and this is where we sort of you know we're talking about tying up loose ends. This is how we get the. Lancelot storyline tied up and it, it's I was at first when we saw him in the wide shot I said oh Lancelot's back because we haven't seen him in probably like four or five episodes at this point uh but then he's he has five seconds on screen before they say hey Lancelot go find your mom and see if she can help out with this yeah I think last we saw him was when you know Merida uh basically kidnapped Belle and they went to uh you know Dumbrah uh for the for the for the bless you thank you um and we know that they just kind of were marching through the woods and Belle disappeared. And uh, I think that was the last time we saw Lancelot with his crew. Like, I don't think I'm he sure. was, I can't remember if he was even in Granny's, like for some yeah. of the stuff that was going I'm, on. I'm sure there are webisodes where he discovered lasagna for the first time. and was just pigging out on that for the past few days. Yeah. And he, he's probably like, if you, you know, do a screen grab, he's probably kind of standing brooding against the wall. But uh, um, otherwise, he hasn't had a lot to do lately. Did you remember that Lancelot's mother was the Lady of the Lake? No, I did not. <laughs> I, I mean, I do remember there was an episode, there was a flashback episode where uh, Lancelot helped David and Mary Margaret, uh, but I thought the lake had dried up or something like that. Uh, so, I, again, the, we're getting it strangely enough into a lot of season two stuff, and I'm sure uh, fans who have better memories than we are can remind us of what exactly happened there. But I like, uh, but basically, they're just kind of throwing something at the wall to see what sticks. We're like, okay, well, we're SOL. Uh, Lancelot, your mom has some sort of powers, right? Maybe she can help do something. I don't know. Which makes you wonder if Lancelot and the Lady of the Lake are now in Storybrooke, if the, if the dark curse took everybody. No, I, I'm pretty sure that that's the reason why Lancelot isn't in Storybrooke. Uh, I think that's the they basically wrote him off of Storybrooke by saying no, he was traveling to his mom. He even makes he even emphasizes like, oh, it's a long ways away. And I'm pretty sure the curse was only really in a secluded area around Camelot. So that's the reason why Lancelot isn't in there today. Okay. So once again, Lancelot is not one of the. He's one of the leftovers once again. Yeah. Um, so he, yeah, he missed out. He's he's zero for two in terms of, or I guess zero for three, maybe in terms of getting hit by curses. But who knows? Maybe maybe the maybe our flashback scenes will show that the Lady of the Lake is our Deus Ex Machina. But uh, as everyone else kind of goes their separate ways, we have a, a conversation between the parents here where David is venting about how they were so, so close to finally purging the darkness, but Snow still has confidence that her daughter will do the right thing. And by do the right thing, basically Emma is doing a lot of cleanup this episode because Emma's very quickly going to realize that she made a huge mistake in, in making Hook a dark one. Yeah, but I do think it's interesting that Mary Margaret points out to David that, you know, she Emma ended up saving Hook. This is what, you know, our family does. And she kind of goes back to, you know, remember when we, and it took a risk and we shared that heart between the two of us. Um, and so she's actually seems and at this point to kind of support what Emma did, um, which is interesting because the storybook Mary Margaret does not share this mindset at all. It's like she's very untrusting of 
of Emma, or at least Emma, what Emma will potentially do. But the, at least the, 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 the Mary Margaret in Camelot seems to be like, you know what? She saved Hook. This is what their family does. And she actually seemed to be okay with it. Yeah. Well, those memories were gone for a little while. So maybe yeah. she forgot to support her daughter. It was in the Dreamcatcher. Yep. <laughs> so Hook decides to make a radical wardrobe change, uh, which is good because I'm pretty sure uh, a certain clientele of this Once Upon a Time audience would not want to see Hook walk around in a big cloak the entire time. They want clothes that are as tight to his body as possible. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh my but uh clippy comes up with this idea about you know if you want to get back to gold even though he's in another realm you just have to cast a curse but hook knows no if i do that you i know what exactly what has to happen i have to kill emma i have to kill the thing i love most to start a curse which is something that we had alluded to a while ago when we were wondering how the curse got cast to begin with but that talk is interrupted when emma finds him and she is uh we we have almost like lost the dark aspects of Emma here. We are we're getting like it's almost like Emma's in this episode. She just sort of has a a dye change and a costume change. Yeah, and even if you look at you know jumping ahead to modern day Storybrooke, like Emma there uh, doesn't seem that dark anymore either. So maybe there is something to the fact that there can truly maybe there's only enough dark one energy to go around. Like you can only split the pie so many ways, and after a while, it's like if you had you know twenty current living breathing dark ones they'd all be kind of weak <laughs> yeah that's it's weird because i mean i think emma finally revealed her plans i mean i'm assuming that the pretty much she was acting the way she was because she wanted to push everyone away because she knew she wanted to kill zelina but that being said i mean i, I maybe her acting job was almost too good in that like she was it seemed like she was fully embracing the darkness for those first few episodes but if that turns out to all be a ruse and now she's just all of a sudden back to normal and she says i don't have to play a character anymore i don't know it sounds like kind of a cop-out to me yeah she was she was all about isolating herself which is kind of not a good move um but yeah if you look at you know at dark swan when everybody first gets transported to granny's or when everyone first wakes up in granny's back in storybrook and she turns sneezy into a statue um it's that's probably like the peak of her evil in the entire uh, probably, you know, 10 episode run. Well, aside from, I'd say in Storybrooke, I mean, let's remember that she is also the one that makes Henry's girlfriend break up with him uh, to, to make a broken heart, to make Merlin appear. That's just tough love. (laughs) That's you're you're totally, you're thinking like Regina now, Kurt. Yeah. So interestingly enough, Emma is able to get Hook's heart racing enough to make Clippy disappear again, albeit only for a period of time, without any sort of horseback ride. Uh, I guess she just has some great feminine wiles about her that she's able to get his heart going that easily. And this is, you also see here, Emma seems excited about the prospect of getting the darkness out of both of them. We have to rely on those that we love. And it's kind of all of the things that the Dark One is kind of against. Like, you know, traditionally the Dark One is against uh, the the love of family and the love of friends and and support systems and uh, but she she's really looking to kind of you know tap into that the light uh, to get the darkness banished from both of them and Hook seems to be good with it ish ah <laughs> uh, for about like yeah. three minutes uh, yeah. I mean she's good with it while they while they're making out you know sucking face in the woods uh, but then once he realizes he hears. Uh, I guess I would call it the equivalent of like, I guess the dagger image is sort of like dog whistle whenever anybody's near it. Uh, and, and Clippy points that out. And Emma had said in their conversation beforehand that Excalibur, according to her, Excalibur disappeared after he became the dark one. Uh, but it turns out that Emma had it all along 
because she wanted to use the sword to control him to make sure that he didn't do anything out of line. And I, and I actually got more of an impression is that she didn't think that he, um, she wanted to keep Excalibur away from him because he was kind of weak as a new dark one is kind of how I had read it into it is that like, he wouldn't be able to necessarily control himself if he had the opportunity to take Excalibur. Um, and, but you know, whichever boils down to the fact that she lied to him and he, you know, to me kind of overreacts a little bit. Yeah. So, so let's, let's break this down. Cause I think we have some general relationship conflicts this episode and we'll get to the other one, but I think the big one here is the hook and Emma stuff. I mean, I, I don't want to paint things too much in black and white here, Kurt, but I'll, I'll just throw out a blanket statement here is, is Emma out of line here and what she's doing and how she's behaving in the flashbacks in this episode? Um, she didn't hand, I wouldn't say she's out of line. I would say she didn't really handle it. She's, she's being overprotective and paternalistic, or I guess in her case, maternalistic, uh, in terms of doling out information. And she's really trying to kind of protect people by keeping them in the dark, which has kind of been a running theme throughout, you know, several seasons of the show. Um, and it's one of those things where like, if she was, um, you know, if she had, for example, only taken Hook's memory and had enlisted the help of Team Charming to make sure that he didn't do anything with bad with it uh, when they got back to Storybrooke, things might have turned out better. But she but again, you know, Henry accuses her of you know trying to do everything herself, keeping people in the dark. Um, is she out of line? I don't know if I'd use that phrase, but I do think she made some like you know, error after error. Yeah, I mean, if we're using a term from reality TV here, I, I don't think her social game is on point here. I think she's she's pissing a lot of people off of what she's doing. I don't know. I would almost compare it to like a bull in a china shop where it seems like now she's at a point where everything she's trying to do to help between, you know, hook and trying to help her family. She just keeps destroying everything to the point of where she has to literally knock everyone out and wipe their memories to try to undo all of her mistakes. Um, and I, I think that it's interesting because I, I, I don't know if the care she's showing to Hook is is maternalistic as much as it's her sort of trying to be her own version of a dark clippy, but trying to be more of an optimistic dark clippy by saying like, hey, well, this is what it being a dark one is like, but you can push it away and come to the light and we can be together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think it's working. And I, I think mm-hmm. she very quickly realizes that when you make someone a dark one who has vehemently told you on his deathbed, do not make me a dark one, you will regret it. Uh, you will live to regret it. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, she, he disappears and she promptly goes to find him. D- and did you, did you like resonate with Hook's logic here that he feels he takes this, the sword lie as a sign that she doesn't believe in him? Um, there's a grain of truth there. But again, I think. I think it's a case of both of them blowing things out of proportion. And again, I'm trying to apply the, you know, the, the rational uh, conversationalist filter to, you know, if, if this is real life, this is how it would go, but it, you know, it, it is a scripted show. And, and <laughs> <Yeah>, so <laughs> just like, just like the real life situation where your partner uh, has was on, was about to die, but then they were yeah. imbued with extreme amounts of dark magic, which brought up terrible demons lying within their soul. And now they're in an implementation of said darkness. And I wonder how much of that is also the dark one in Hook is kind of ascribing the darkest of intentions to Emma in terms of her decision to keep Excalibur from him. Like she could 
you spend all day discussing, no, I did it for this reason and this reason and this reason. And I thought it was for the best and blah, 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 blah. Um, but he's going to boil it down to kind of the, the worst case scenario for their relationship, which is yeah. that he doesn't trust, she doesn't trust him at all. And it doesn't help that, I mean, he's angry at her for her doing this to him. And that anger is only just going to fuel the darkness that's swirling inside him. So it's not like, you know, any sort of positive feelings he has, like when he's, getting some in the woods with her that's when dark clippy disappears and it seems like all is good but for the most part he's sort of this slowly growing cyclone of bad feelings yeah um and it's about to uh take out the munchkin land yes exactly <laughs> so watch out for your houses they may be falling from the sky so emma tries to make it up to him uh she finally is able to su- she forcibly summons him and gives excalibur to him but it doesn't exactly it pave things over completely. But for the moment, they're fine and they, they start embracing again. Uh, giving Excalibur to Hook, Kurt. Good move or bad move? Well, she wanted to win over his trust. And he's, you know, he's done a... I would say based on everything that she had available to her. Although apparently when you become the dark one, you completely lose your innate ability to tell when people are lying. We, we forgot about Emma's superpower. Oh yeah, we forgot. Yeah. Emma's superpower. <laughs> uh, well, is it, isn't that also a superpower of the, uh, of the people from Arendelle as well from last season? Apparently. Um, so I think, you know, based on everything she knew and, you know, he seemed like he was being sincere. I mean, I had a kind of a question in my notes is like, well, how come, you, at those points in Camelot where Hook is like, okay, okay, let's make this work. Okay, I see. I forgive you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, how come Hook in Storybrooke isn't acting this way about the quote unquote betrayal? Yeah. And, and in that case, I was, I was trying, I was trying to say, well, these are two different, completely different expressions, but we, we later get, get explained to us that he's playing her the entire time. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. And again, you know, I would wonder if, if there's a lot of information in those first like seven or so episodes before it's revealed that Hook is the dark one to look at him in that storybook timeline and see if his behavior is markedly different and whether that is a representation of him as the dark one, uh, because that might be an indicator of it as well, that maybe he was more forgiving in Camelot just because he was not the dark one at this point. He did not. He was not imbued with the dark one spirit. Yeah, it's. If yeah, if anybody, if any of the listeners have like gone back and said it, kind of rewatched the season with a lens of, oh, you know, Hook was the dark one the entire time, and you picked up anything interesting, definitely tweet us about it. So we get to Granny's here, and we get to see sort of the the making of the magical voicemail, and it turns out that the dar- the danger that Merlin was facing as the voicemail ended that we saw a few episodes ago was not Emma or. Arthur or some other random being it was hook and uh so the loophole that dark clip you referred to earlier is that he doesn't want to kill emma but he can just use a general uh he can just generally you know if he kills someone that all right let me let me figure out the logic <laughs> I, on this I think, one I, th- I think i think where you're going mike is that um because you know the historical dark one archives all reside within hook technically any one of those prior dark ones, their true love is also eligible to spark the dark curse. So basically yeah. the, when you say um, we have to just, the dark one has to destroy the heart of a loved one that actually allows you to kind of tap into the loved one of any dark one from history. Um, <laughs> if, if you become a dark one, you become the loved one of every other dark one. Exactly. Use, use protection, please. Yeah. It's like a really bad chain letter. Um, <laughs> and 
and so kind of the, yeah, the loophole is here is that, well, Nimue, uh, you know, technically Nimue resides in Hook to some extent because she is, you know, the original Dark One. And because she still loves Merlin, technically, if Hook were to destroy Merlin's heart, um, that is enough of a spark uh, because in some regards, it's Nimue destroying Merlin's heart uh, that, 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 that can get the, the curse going. So I will also say that while Hook is uh, kind of an ass this episode, he isn't exactly a very good villain. Uh, and this is one thing like I, I feel like if, if Hook was a full villain here, he wouldn't go after Nimue and Merlin. He would go after Bell. Uh, if, if he killed mm-hmm. Bell and he then came back to Storybrooke and told Gold, hey, guess what? I'm back. And also I killed the person you love the most. I feel like that is the one two punch that he would need to get his revenge. Yeah, it's he, he's pretty single minded. But again, like we haven't really seen, you know, other than uh, Rumpelstiltskin kind of preying on the greediness of those who are eager to get in on what they think is the winning end of a deal. Um, you've never really seen Rumpelstiltskin or Dark Swan just be blatantly evil. That's been more the, the you know, the, the realm of like the, the Queens of Darkness or Zelina. Um, but Hook, you know, he's got that villainous past. So he, but he's very single focused on, uh, on revenge. And maybe it's so single focused that he can't even like look one degree away at Bell. He's focused on, on how can I screw over gold? Yeah. And so we see the return of Nimue. We see her actually a couple times this episode. I'm, I'm a little confused about this sort of apparition logic here, Kurt. I, I like, are we following <laughs> the rules from the movie Ghost? Because she clearly picks up the heart and does it. Like she clearly touches the heart, but if she's a spirit, she shouldn't be able to, right? To touch corporeal objects. If she's kind of like a dark clippy where she's just kind of in his imagination. That's Um, what I thought, even though Merlin can see it, but I think that's just because he possesses such magical power slash he was sort of a dark one at one point, considering he was, or his, his soul was tied to the blade at one point. So he might be able to see it as well. That's a, no, that's a really good point. I didn't pay attention to the extent to which, uh, Rumpelstiltskin or Nimue was interacting with their environment. But yeah, if she kind of interacted with the heart, um, like unless it was a moment where Hook wasn't actually on screen. So maybe did, did Nimue kind of take, take over <laughs> Hook's body and what we were yeah. actually looking at was Hook. I don't know, but did, yeah. did she Tyler Durden it is what you're asking? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, that would also be a weird, I could just imagine ever kids Sam Horowitz like, yeah, I mean, we loved fight club. So we thought we should do a reference here. And once upon a time, Everyone will get it. <laughs> Everyone's going to understand it. It's clearly the, the, the ultimate crossover in terms of fandom. But uh, so Emma walks in just as the deed is about to be done. Uh, she tries to convince him and she brings up everyone. Take a drink. She brings up happy endings. Uh, not the canceled ABC sitcom, but the general idea of it. But Hook is not a happy endings fan in either regard. Uh, and he sort of gives a similar statement to sort of what Emma gave a couple episodes ago about how Killian Jones is dead uh, and he died the minute that she turned him into a dark one and he kills Merlin. Uh, so Kurt Merlin is dead. How do we, how do we feel about this? I was a little bit surprised. Um, uh, I, with, I think that team charming should look under the dumpster behind granny's diner and see maybe he's hiding out under the there. Pur- purple balloons are coming up. Yep. Uh, I, I don't necessarily buy that he's gone, but, uh, the logic worked for me. In terms of, I, th- I thought it was really cool that we got to see him recording the magical voicemail, and then he his heart was taken, and um, maybe he he 
if, if he was truly kind of like the first wizard, even though we see kind of Emma dispose of the body later, maybe there's some way that he kind of as lands it from a Chronicles of Narnia and ends up coming back <laughs> for Merlin. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm in terms of the characterization itself. Uh, I, I think that he, with the creators have done it one step better than what they usually do with these sort of one-time characters in that, I think in in the Nimue episode alone, we got a lot of context of Merlin into the main story, and we saw that he actually played a significant role there. Whereas I feel like if we didn't have that have that episode and he died here, it would probably a lot be a lot less meaningful. But this also, I mean, this raises a couple questions here. Namely, if the sorcerer is dead, what sort of effect does that have in terms of the larger architecture of things? Like, does that mean that okay, now that Henry, you know, broke the pen? There, there definitely is not going to be any more authors now that the one creator and his apprentice are now dead as well. So, like, I've, I, I, I don't know if there are any sort of big repercussions from what happened, but if that's the case, there are large little ripples that will come out of this effect. Yeah, that's a good point. He didn't have. I was like, oh well, now the sorcerer's apprentice just got promoted, but no, wait, we were told he died. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so we were officially told he's dead. <laughs> I was like, oh, didn't quite realize that. I thought maybe he was just like was spent you know (laughs) what what about this theory kurt what if at the last minute merlin warged into zelina's unborn child and so little baby hood is now a reincarnation of merlin there's something up with that kid like we haven't really there's there's got to be some sort of large first of all the kid doesn't have a name (laughs) no no it's babyhood yeah babyhood which 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 i thought you would think that in uh hospital technology nowadays they get rid of the babyhood after the first couple of hours after being born right wow um (laughs) but no i think that that's actually an interesting point I, i wouldn't be surprised if the spirit of the apprentice uh you know was then placed in the next you know uh peripheral plot character to be born <laughs> yeah well that you know what that means kurt more chance for child actors on the show oh dear oh boy let's let's stay away from that uh territory for now as post heart crushing um emma gives merlin a nice burial by basically turning him into dust and sort of pulling a donnie from big lebowski and having him blow everywhere but emma decides to again sort of clean up her mess she knocks hook out takes his memories via dream catcher, but Clippy reminds her that, you know, everyone else also knows that Hook is the dark one. So Emma basically has to do a big retcon here. I forget the name of the maneuver, or I guess there's, to compare it to Wayward Pines, it's plan C, right? Or plan B, <laughs> uh, to wipe everyone out basically and start anew. Yeah, she needs one of those little men in black pen light things. Yeah, I think Memory so. I'm surprised, I'm surprised there's a, I'm sure there's some sort of like magical uh, memory purger that has existed on the show before, but Emma needs to go into the reliquary and get it because yeah. this could have been a lot easier than having everyone suspiciously wake up in Granny six weeks later without any sort of memories. I, I like though that it's like the dark curse is already cast. There's nothing that she could do to stop it, but she could do little add-ons to it. And so she does yeah. kind of, she, she, you know, she puts a kind of a mass memory wipe element into the dark curse while it's still, in a kind of countdown mode, which I thought was was uh, an interesting take. Yeah, I, I like that as well. And at least, you know, again, we're, we're starting to see Emma floundering, trying to make maneuvers that she thinks could save everyone when it turns out that comparing this to what happens in Story Break, which we'll get to in a little bit, it, it builds to almost a frothing anger here where everyone is generally pissed off at Emma for doing this. Yeah, it's... Yeah, because it's... I'm not sure what people are more upset about. The fact that she 
turned Hook into a dark one or that she took their memories and tried doing everything herself? I'm, I'm, it's, it's the latter. I okay. think, um, I think, you know, if, with turning Hook into the dark one, I think they could slightly understand that maybe maybe i'm reading the characters a little differently but i think the major reason they're mad at emma was the way she was basically behaving ever since they woke up trying to be you know mwahaha dark swan and basically segregating herself and then saying oh yeah well my big plan all along was to kill zelina so uh <laughs> you know you couldn't help me out but now can you help me please and if i say if there's one thing that i'm discontent about in this season it's been a great season i think but one thing is like the fact that all of the, the drama and all of the action hangs on the fact that it's happening because emma want to do this herself yeah which i think again harkens back i i mean i i like it because it harkens back to who emma is as a person you know as, as much character growth as she might have gone through she's very much an independent person and she she has been ever since she came out of that tree trunk as a as a baby long ago and it actually met, connects interestingly to like her and neverland as well oh, where no she, no no don't go there <laughs> well I, I mean it's it's pertinent because hook sure. does when taunting her hook does call her an orphan oh yes which is which was how she basically thought of herself uh and she vocalized that in neverland as well the the story arc that must not be spoken of so i i feel like emma kind of still has this sort of undercurrent of and we, they even talk of this season about like when she tries when she trusts people she pushes them away because she's afraid of what she can do to them in general so i think emma's still like she's still a little bit of a tough nut to crack even after four and a half seasons which i personally like because that means that she's not undergoing these huge mood shifts that can change her character in uh in egregious ways true it i, I did like how um we got to see the dark curse sweeping over the, at least the, the local area and kind of takes it takes down merida so okay we know that's how she got there and yeah I, she, I, just, she just then we i think we correctly guessed last week that merida just happened to be in the area and that's how she got to storybrook yeah and then we also see it kind of you know sweeping over Camelot, and I really like uh, King Arthur's line. That's an extremely dark curse. <laughs> <laughs> Extreme dark curse. Whoa! <laughs> uh, but the question I had is: so was this also a teleportation trans, like a teleportation spell? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming, well, if it's anything like the ones that Regina cast in season one and Selena cast in season three, this the purple smoke means that they're also transporting people. Okay. Uh, except I think in season two, there was purple smoke, but it was just to wipe out magic from the town. And that was the big cliffhanger at the end of season one. But I'm pretty sure purple smoke means you're going somewhere. Okay. So anything else about the about possibly the last of Camelot or should we jump into the meaty action of Storybrooke? <laughs> let's let's get into the meaty action. So we with our meaty action, we leave we pick up right where we left off at the end of episode eight, where Hook is going to return the favor to Emma and he just takes Emma's memories via Dreamcatcher and leaves. Yeah. And I was confused at this point about what memories he was actually taking uh, at, le- at, at, the, at this point. Um, and because she i was kept waiting for her to be interacting with like some of the other characters of her to be like oh what no we were in camelot what um but and i'm still not sure if we found out do you remember no i mean i'm pretty sure i mean i don't know if it's memories as much as maybe because we had we didn't see any sort of instance where hook told emma listen my plan is to get back to storybrook where i'm going to summon nim away and the army of the dark ones are going to snuff out right. the light once and for all so it's not like a memory i would almost say i don't use the term memory but i almost feel like he's he wiped her, her mind of like 
the knowledge that she has of the Dark One mythology. Um, and so she like remembers who she is and she remembers everything. And I agree. I would hate to see, I, I hate the amnesia episodes of sitcoms. And so I would hate it doubly to have this happen so late in the game, but maybe it's just that she remembered everything, but she didn't know exactly what hooks plan was, but she could have figured out had she known the knowledge uh, of what the, the dark one is like, perhaps, okay. perhaps, but hook is reborn. Uh, not like heroes reborn. And as the heroes finally enter the house, even though we still have no idea what Emma did to, to spurn them from it, but they find <laughs> Emma passed out on the couch. I should also mention that Zelina put the magical cuff onto Emma. So now yeah. she can't use magic, which I'm still a little confused about because I mean, I, I thought, you know, this, the being the dark woman is having this like insurmountable magical power. If it's still compromised by this cuff, this cup has to be like one of the best things the show has ever seen. Right. Yeah, I thought they'd use it on gold at one point in one of the previous seasons, very, very briefly. Um, yeah, I think they did. And yeah, she's, I, th- I think everybody's like, well, we don't really know what happened, but hey, she's got this on her, so let's at least take this time to talk to her. Oh, wait, what? Your plan was to murder Zelina? Yeah, no, you should have come to us. Yeah, so Emma tries to basically get everyone on her side here by fessing up to everything all at once, which again, bad move because everyone basically says wait let's 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 focus on this first point here about how you purposely segregated yourself in order to try to murder somebody yeah so no one was around and because i did that nobody was around to tell me that i was being stupid and of course regina's like you were being stupid (laughs) yep good great classic regina there uh speaking on behalf of the audience i feel and i i yeah i don't like emma's logic here of like well because i had to because i was so independent no one could tell me i was making the wrong decision like emma you have a gut for a reason even though you're infiltrated by dark magic you have to know that you're doing something wrong here yeah and it's people are now you know now that she's kind of being social and also has her powers taken away i think people aren't quite sure how to handle her right now yeah absolutely but snow comes up with this idea of oh we can just all use the dream catchers so we can reacquaint ourselves with what happened but turns out all the dream catchers are gone i don't know when hook or zelina had the time to do this and we'll find out later that they're in our one size fits all bell tower i think that's magic i think they think that was simply a teleportation spell where he was able to like cast a magic spell and they all went up in smoke and appeared elsewhere i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that's it I mean, that make, yeah, that totally makes sense. Considering how quickly he can poof himself, I can only imagine he can poof some wooden string quite easily. But let's go to the shop here. And this is my other problem with Hook here, Kurt, is that Hook is, and again, maybe it's because he's so fixated on gold, his white whale or his, his white crocodile, if you will, that like he could literally just walk in, stab him, and that's it. But he is going through all these grandiose motions of, no, it must be a duel, and I must watch you suffer. And I think, much like, you know, Dr. Evil, I feel like this is a total Dr. Evil plan of making things so simple and blown out of proportion that it ends up screwing him over. Yeah, and I wonder if, like, we, we later learned that his whole, I think the whole plan, which was pretty sneaky for Hook, was that he just needed to get some of Rumpel's or Mr. Gold's blood. Um, and maybe it was actually the case that if, uh, that, that gold had to still be alive for his blood to function in the way it needed to function towards the end of the episode. Uh, then, then you just slice him on the arm and then stab him through the heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stab yeah, him through so the I, heart later. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. I just feel like hook becomes as much of a bully as he was in the flashbacks. I feel like here he's more of like the captain hook from the Peter Pan cartoon a more of like a laughable villain. He even does like a Mr. Gold impression here, which is uh, pretty delightful, but still pretty goofy. Yeah. I'm glad we have not seen Emma do that. Yes. Uh, but so hook has a, basically has a challenge for gold. They will duel tomorrow on his ship at high noon. 
And that will be the end of their rivalry once and for all. And so Gold basically goes to the heroes and says, what am I going to do about this? Yeah, how do we stop them? And I think, and and Emma's even saying, uh, you know, why would Hook tell Gold, like, what memories did, did, did Hook steal from me? And it can't be that this was the plan because Gold just told us it can't be that simple. Yeah, exactly. It has to be a misdirect in there somewhere. And they just say, sort of like how they said, oh, yeah, I guess Lancelot, go find the Lady of the Lake. They're like, oh, yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know, Nimue? I remember he Marilyn said something about Nimue. I guess we got to go back. But now at least they, they all have the information that Nimue is the original Dark One. Uh, but Gold brings up something called the Dark One Chronicles? You ever read those? I've, I've, I, you know, I stopped with the Dark One Magician's Nephew. Uh, I haven't, I haven't read them all. They were a little, a little uh, too allegorical for my like. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wondered if that was like a spinoff book series that we're going to eventually see. Yeah, it'll be the their their ABC is going to be selling them as graphic novels in the off season. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and and I think this kind of I immediately think oh we're going to see some riveting time in the library now aren't we <laughs> and and I think Emma wants to kind of avoid that if possible it's like you know just just, just take this cuff away. I can really expedite things if you just took these cuffs off and everyone's mm, no yeah and so this is I guess I would call this like our almost C storyline here is the Henry and Emma stuff because the last time the two of them encountered each other was when Henry found out that Emma broke his heart and he is understandably really miffed at his mother and it shows here when henry comes in and emma says like oh henry you believe me quick take off the cup he's like uh no we're (laughs) we were a team but you're going solo right now yeah and again he's not angry about the whole you know violet thing he's angry about the fact that she's doing everything by herself (laughs) yeah which i don't know i i i mean i guess maybe he has less feelings for violet than we thought but i mean he has to kind of get his priorities straight there yeah so everyone goes their separate ways and Emma's left behind. But before uh, as everyone heads out to the library, Gold and Bell have a rather uh, pointed discussion where Gold basically goes into this entire thing about how, you know, I'm going to stop running away from my own battles. He's, he's really trying to act off the, the bravery that he showed in stop saving Bell's life from that bear a few episodes ago. And so he's going to he's going to make up for his lifetime of cowardice and he's going to face hook on his own, even though he basically thinks it's a suicide mission at this point. But if I survive, I will meet you at the at the well. (laughs) Remember the well? (laughs) Yes, I do remember the well. Um, And so if you if you end up meeting me, so, so here are the possible conditions that could play out, Bell. If I go there and you don't show up, that means you don't love me. But if I die, I'll never know if you actually go there. <laughs> yeah. But whatever you do, don't go to the well, but then lead me on and then break up with me. That'd yeah. be the worst. Yeah. I think he forgot to leave that caveat in. <laughs> yeah. And who? I mean, that's uh, out of character for Mr. Gold. I feel like he would leave all the he'd leave all the loopholes taken care of. But maybe he's a little rusty after being purged of the dark magic. Meanwhile, we get we get a couple of Zelina scenes here. I mean, so I personally feel like we we've tied up the Zelina storyline here, right? Um, I don't think we necessarily have because I don't think we've tied up the baby storyline. Like, I you don't I, think I'm so. Still, I still think I, you know, they, 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 they end up talking about, you know, custody and visitation, but, um, it's a little bit later on, but I still think, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, does the spirit of Merlin end up inhabiting the baby? Do we get a female Merlin? Um, for Merlin. What, yeah. Whatever happened to Maleficent and Lily. Um, sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Um, 
<laughs> what about Philip Soul? What about Philip Soul? Uh, but I, I, if there's more to do with the baby, then I think there's more to do with Zelina. Um, yeah, I just feel like uh, these next couple scenes like tied up in a, from an emotional perspective where they say, okay, great. Well, you can have the baby, but they have to be in the same room as us. Uh, also, I wonder what Storybrooke Divorce Court would yeah. be like because Zelina and Robin have to go through that, right? Pretty much. And per, uh, Who would be the judge? Mm-hmm. King, King Solomon? Well, I don't know if they were technically married. I mean, well, I mean, I guess if you, this is a, maybe Antonio Mazzaro can answer this question. <laughs> if, if you're, if you're impersonating the, a woman that's married to this man, but you, you didn't actually marry him personally, are you still technically married? Yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rule on this one and say they are not married, but Robin Hood is the father. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes, I don't. I don't think they have to go through a divorce card. Like you know, basically, she took on the identity of his wife, but she's not really his wife. So Zelina bursts into the hospital here and tries to take the baby on her own. Where Regina appears and kind of taunts her, saying, "Well, we thought way ahead of you, as the baby is gone, and surprisingly, Emily DeRaven is not involved in a missing baby plot. Hmm. Uh, she's broken that. But meanwhile, hey, Kurt Meredith's here. Yeah." <laughs> I was like, oh, she's gonna put her. She's gonna put an arrow in the knee. She's been playing a lot of Skyrim, apparently. Yeah, let's 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 get the most that we mileage out of this whole uh, having Merida on set as we can. Yeah, this was. Uh, I I don't I I don't understand this. I guess you you have to keep using her. I still don't understand why they've been using her in the first place. Because I think the Arthur and Merlin stuff was enough on its own. You don't need to tie a Disney commodity into every single season. Uh, but this was definitely the probably one of the, one of the biggest examples of Merida being used for no reason at all. Yeah, just a guard MI who doesn't have magic. And uh, we got to just see some more fancy shooting and fancy arrow catching. Yeah, Hook was pretty badass here. He caught the arrow in midair and then just flicks her and knocks her out. So she is good for all of 30 seconds before she's rendered useless once again. Yeah, she's she's recovering with Dr. Whale somewhere. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they're all they're all they got the bump on the heads in the in the uh, infirmary. So Hook encounters Emma again for the first time since he left her. And he begins to monologue, calling her an anchor and a pretty blonde distraction. And now he's a free man and he's she's never going to hold him back again. He's got no strings to hold him down. Oh, no, I think we moved away from Pinocchio. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he might be coming back. Oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> Where's August? Uh, wait, wait, where is August? <laughs> um, I think they used him as kindling. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Maybe maybe August got, also got turned into a tree, but not by crossing the town line. Yeah. So many characters, selection. it's hard to keep track of them all. It really is. Uh, thank God for Once Upon a Time Wiki. Yeah. But Emma's trying to sort of, again, reason with Hook to rem- to uh, to sort of run parallel to the flashback here about how the darkness is trying to you know, utilize his revenge ploy to really get to him. But a uh, hook taunts her by calling him and uh, calling her an orphan and says, well, you push the people away that you're closest to because you, you don't want to hurt them. And I want to hurt you the way that you hurt me. Uh, and so then them's fighting words, literally, as I think the next time we see hook, he has to, uh, he has to duel. Yeah. He's, he's, he's got to get off and uh, get, get to the ship and, and, and get ready to, you know, to, to, to do battle with gold. Yeah, but meanwhile, Emma tries to visit the other combatant, Gold, and say, "Listen, this doesn't need to happen. Give me some sw- give me some squid ink, or let's use the <laughs> leftover squid ink to freeze him, and then we'll just take him." And Gold is being very noble. He's new heroic. Gold is basically saying, "No, I this is my cross to bear. 
I will fight him and I will die. I like I like the statement that you know confidence is great at starting a fight but not at finishing one. Yeah, that's oh my god! I think that should be emblazoned across any internet message board. <laughs> or was it? I think it was it was was it Emma that said that, or was it Gold? I think it was Gold that said it. Okay, His Gold is usually the source of those pearls of wisdom. Uh, so meanwhile, Regina takes Alina to the loft where Robin is taking care of Babyhood. I don't know why they're using the loft. Uh, I guess since there was already a crib there, maybe they thought they could utilize the furniture even though there should be a baby there as well but uh regina says you know i've done a lot of terrible stuff in the past but henry helped me become my best self and this baby will do the same thing for you they give the stipulations that we talked about before where basically you can see the baby but you have to be in the room and we get i'd say a semblance of redemption here where regina holds her baby and she coos a little bit so i don't know i don't do you think that's those are breadcrumbs leading to an eventual zelina redemption arc uh potentially i just i the only thing I just don't think is that it's the the end of a Zelina story arc, like or or that's it's not. The, I don't believe that that's the last we see of Zelina. I think there's there's more coming from the whole Zelina as mom thing. How did you like the phrase "Once you go green, you never go queen"? That was it. That was that was clever. That was probably the, the quote of the episode, in my opinion. Nice. <laughs> uh, it's true. It's, it's it's true as well. It's funny because it's true. Yes. So Emma goes to the library and she she tries to enlist Henry's help once again. And she's able to actually get him on the side this time. And he comes up, seems like right there in the moment with this pretty brilliant plan of, okay, give me the stuff that you use to make the dream catchers. I'll use our handy dandy locator spell to find where all the dream catchers are. And uh, he gives it the rather unoriginal name, Operation Cobra Part 2. He didn't go like Part 2. Like, well, <laughs> Not like, like did you use the hot shots method? Yeah. Like I've been like Operation Lemming, Oper- <laughs> Operation Sidewinder. I, I think I think that anything that takes the course over the over the course of one episode does not need to be an operation. Uh, it's like the equivalent <laughs> of giving like stealth, stealth RS nicknames to people who aren't in your alliance. Like it doesn't. Operation Cobra took an entire season. Operation Mongoose took an entire half season. Operation Light Swan that we saw a couple episodes ago. Who knows how long that's been germinating? But this takes a grand total of like ten minutes to be carried out. Yeah, I, I think it was more Emma trying to show give like a wink and a nod to Henry that yeah, I'm back. It's the old me. Hey, Hey, we're going to name things. We're going to name secret missions. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, part two alludes to the fact that part one was sort of getting everyone their happy endings back, or at least making them realize who they were. Whereas this one is like them trying to do the same thing for hook. Yeah, it could be, it could be, but let's get to some fighting, Kurt. Let's get to some quality sword fighting action. Yeah. Between hooks history as a pirate, and power as the dark one and gold's lack of dark oneness and lack of swashbuckling experience. Uh, I expected this to be pretty one-sided. And I do think, you know, if, if we go from the perspective that hook is just leading on uh, gold in order to get a bit of his blood, I, I, I think, uh, I don't know why this, I don't know why gold did as good as he did. I, maybe that training with Merida actually pay, paid off. Mm. Remember all that sword fighting, Kurt? It's finally coming in handy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and maybe maybe I agree with you. Maybe Hook, because the ultimate resort, result was him to try to get uh, Gold's blood onto his Hook, which is also... I thought things were a little fishy when I realized, like, wait, why didn't Hook use dark magic to give himself a hand instead of a Hook? That could have made things a, a lot easier, but... Uh, 
but I guess the it, the hook had to be imbued with the blood for some reason, so he could dip it into the water. But yeah, I mean, they for storytelling purposes, they try to make it as tense as possible, even though. Hook was probably uh, scaling it back probably by like 30% to have gold win a little bit. Yeah. And we, we see a gold stabs hook. Nothing happens. I'm like, okay, this, this isn't fair. <laughs> yeah. And well, hook even tells him that beforehand, like, listen, you can kill me all you want, but until you get Excalibur from me, I'm not going to die. And so this, this whole first part of the fight is basically all for naught to begin yeah. with. It's all gold can basically do is just stall his own death. Do you think that gold is forever without his limp now? I don't know. Uh, I wonder if the darkness is purged. Does everything go back to normal and he becomes limp again? That'd be an interesting question. I know we'd have to go back and see what were the things that gold impacted around town uh, through magic or in Storybrooke. And when he got purged, do we still see those things? Um, but so, yeah, like the like the like the dark magic repo man. Like it takes back everything that you all your possessions that you <laughs> spent upon the world as a dark one. Yeah, we we don't at least we we don't see gold trying to tell bell at the well but i i don't have a cane anymore i i can i can you know keep up with you <laughs> i can dance yes Ha-ha. uh did you also like hook's cheryl crow reference by telling hook that the first cut is the deepest mm. <laughs> i, uh, I, I, did, I didn't wants, know he was a cheryl crow fan yeah all he wants to do is have some fun yeah, I got a feeling he's not the only one. Uh, he's, not, he's not the only dark one either. Yes. Uh, I also, I wonder, uh, so Gold gets sliced by Excalibur, much like Hook did in Camelot. So if for some reason, if they ended up, uh, if Excalibur broke up again and they ended up reforging it, would Hook's ar- would Gold's arm just start spurting blood and then he'd be dying as well? <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, and then they have to turn him into a dark one and it all starts all over again. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what happens with what ends up happening with Excalibur. Yeah. And keeping key, and like, was that something that was inherent to the magical realms of Camelot or is that, does it apply here or now? But, but as we get to sort of the, uh, the climax here where it looks like hook is, uh, gold is doomed. We get to the clock tower slash shopping mall slash skeleton basement, uh, where Henry and Emma find the dream catchers, but of course they're protected by a spell. Uh, but Henry reveals that he, took a another spell from gold shop that simply removes the cuff so i don't know exactly what that spell might be but at least he didn't have to he, cut off emma's hat, hand to have it happen he said it was squidding actually oh he did say it was okay so yeah. i guess squidding also works on magical objects too i thought it just worked on people i don't know i thought i thought that he had said it was squidding because i was like okay i can do that too whatever <laughs> yes yeah, squid squidding logic yes so the, i mean the cuff is off and it turns out that it seems like emma and henry are pretty much made up and it seems like i don't know uh I'll, I'll ask this question again as i said with the zelina arc do we think that henry and emma arc is resolved at this point yes okay yeah i would i would i would agree and i mean i think this was interesting in terms of the beats i mean i think we saw the big betrayal happen a few episodes ago and we saw a couple scenes about it but there really wasn't anything about it i, I don't know I, i'm kind of sad about that because i think henry is was one of emma's main motivators and one of the people she was closest to specifically in the first season and i would have liked to see more of what sort of effect the betrayal has on henry and subsequently how her closest person not believing in her affects emma yeah it's it'll I, i'm pretty sure it is kind of cemented up those two um but, you know, we still have the fact that, you know, as much as she seems to have tamed it, Emma is still a dark one. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, so it'll be really interesting. We'll talk at the end about next week. But I feel like the time for Emma's dark one powers to really come to fruition will happen next week. Yeah, yeah I, I, we're going to see 
it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, but first we have to finish up off a fight here Thanks. as Gold's able to take advantage of Hook's monologuing and basically take him out with a rope and hold him at sword point with Excalibur and basically says, Hook, I mean, Gold kind of has his own little uh, slight, you know, leap in logic here where he says like, well, I could kill you, but I'd rather see you live in cowardice at the idea that I bested you again, despite the fact that you're one of the most powerful people in this town. I'm going to let you go. Yeah, I mean, well, plus the fact that... I guess he could, if he has Excalibur, I think maybe he could, I guess he could kill him. Or, but... Yeah, he could, he could kill him. He could also control him, too. And I, I, also I mean, I hopefully they have Excalibur back, but because after Hook disappeared, Gold, like, throws the sword oh, down. That's the thing that you used to control him. Then Hook could just come back, grab the sword, neener, 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 and then disappear again. And see, because I had thought that back in the pawn shop when Hook confronted Gold, that Hook told Gold that, well, you know, well, guess what? Excalibur doesn't control me anymore. And maybe I misheard, but um, I'm a little bit confused about the the powers of Excalibur. Yeah, considering that we even saw in the flashback, Emma was able to call Hook using yeah, Excalibur. Exactly. So who knows? Maybe maybe because Emma's name is attached to it as well. Maybe it's weakened. You know, for one for two people instead of one. Maybe it's like bearing the weight of two people, and so it's a little bit weaker. I'm I'm not entirely sure why they said like, well, this is the all powerful weapon. Let me throw it to the side once he disappears. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he picked it up on his way off the boat. Hopefully, maybe that becomes his new cane once uh once if his limp comes back. Could be, could be. So let's get to the other big relationship drama here, Kurt. And this is at the well, and it is the I'll use the term breakup scene between Mr. Gold and bell they they've gone through a lot of uh peaks and troughs and we are at a trough once again as bell decides to leave gold uh and i'm I'm trying to figure out her logic here so it seems like he is first she alludes to the fact that he's she's he's broken her trust too many times um and despite him saying that he's going to fix things she says that she basically she says she needs some time for herself essentially it's not hook sorry it's it's not gold it's her (laughs) yeah essentially that's basically what it is and i uh, i uh, why did you show up why did you show up did you not hear the rules (laughs) yeah well i also like and and bell's usually a very logical character and she has stuck through gold through so many of these situations kurt these worst case scenarios now everything is great he's good and she says uh on second thought maybe i don't want to be with you now yeah, I even had a note. That was, is this is this Hook? Is Hook messing with her? Like that's exactly what I th- I thought we were going to get a scene at the end of the episode where it turns out that Hook had Bell's heart and was manipulating her to say it, much like Emma did with Violet. Yeah, it. I, I just don't show up, Bell. You're not helping things. Yeah, pull pull in a, an anti Missy here. Just don't show up. Yeah, I, I mean this because. I mean, I thought that like the, a broken heart would have been used to make something else happen because Hook's um, Gold's heart is now broken. But I'm, I, I just I didn't like. I, I also don't like the fact that it seems like we're now becoming very cyclical with their relationship. We're like they're good, then something will happen and they'll break up. But then they're good again, then something will happen and they'll break up. You know, it's it's Ross one, and Rachel. One of, yeah, they're one of my favorite couples on the show, and I don't like the fact that it's starting to become formulaic. Yeah, but they're done. <laughs> for now for now i'm assuming it, it's become basically uh like a a seasonal thing now where you know they were uh, last season they were fine for the frozen arc and then they broke up 
uh, they basically bro- they broke up in that heart-wrenching se- uh, mid-season finale when she forced him over the town line, and then they got back together again. So I'm totally expecting the exact same thing to happen this year. See, where you saw them breaking up, I saw them crawling under the dumpster, and they're actually still together. <laughs> this is a big dumpster, Kurt. <laughs> yes, it is. A very large, there's only so many balloons they have there. Only so large of a helium tank. Uh, so the heroes each get a dream catcher, but they're still hesitant to trust Emma, but they finally, you know, they're able to... She lives up to her word, finally, and they all get their memories back. Emma suddenly realizes what Hook is doing, and here we get our final scene of the episode, and it turns out that, as we alluded to before, uh, Hook lost that fight on purpose because he needed the blood of a man who's been to hell and back, and I guess this was more of a... I don't know if this was a metaphorical thing. I don't know where Gold Spirit went when he was in the coma, but I guess because he technically died and became comatose and came back, he falls into this category. Is that right? I think so. That's how I interpreted it. Which is a more vague magical ingredient, the blood of a man who's been to hell and back or the cries of a newborn child. Yeah. The, could that be Hell, Michigan? I mean, it's in the Detroit area. Oh, could, uh, could, be, could be Helsinki, Finland. There we go. Uh, they've been to Helsinki and back. Yeah, exactly. So they're in front of this, the pond that then they, they helpfully remind us that this was the fury that they, that tried to drag Robin to hell. It, it indeed is a portal to the underworld. And so hook dips his blood laden hook in there. And we see a boat slowly come around and uh, just like, you know, a ride at Disney world. And it turns out the ride operator is none other than, Nimue. Now, are we to believe the Kurt that everyone who's on board there are the other dark ones that were in that cave when uh, Emma pulled the sword? Um, it seemed like there were more of them in the cave um, mm-hmm. than could fit on this boat. Um, and I think what we have here is the is a uh, uh, you you had referenced the River Sticks really early in the episode. I think this is uh, Karen the 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 boatman of the dead is bringing them all back. I love Karen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, my guess is it's, I was trying to think it's like, not a gaggle of dark ones. Like what's the name for a collection of dark ones? Like a murder of dark ones. Mur- like that's a murder, murder of crows. crows. So I think like a complexion of dark ones. Cause they, Oh yeah. Well, they all, they all kind of had the same complexion though. <laughs> We've only seen like, I'm, I'm hoping we, we get some, uh, some, like if this turns into kind of like the, like a uh, an episodic thing where, and each week we have to do battle with a new dark one, and it becomes kind of video game ish. <laughs> yeah, it becomes a uh, it becomes very serialized, like a, almost like a Power Rangers thing, with like, okay, this week this is the dark one that we have to fight. Yeah. I was going to reference the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, but I don't know if that's actually the right reference. I don't know if I actually ever even. No, saw I, that. I mean, I think I, I think they had more than thirteen episodes, but it was a very. It's almost like the regular Scooby Doo, where there oh, was yeah. a different mystery to solve every week. But they're all working together. It turns out these bad guys. Um, so yeah, it's, you've got a. Uh, no longer is it really kind of a, I think what we're to believe is that the Rumpelstiltskin standing on shore is kind of that dark, clippy advice giver voice in your head. But everybody else that comes back is like, is a corporeal version of a dark one. Yeah, that's, I think that's what, so we were asking about like sort of the ghost rules beforehand, but I think these people are actually beings considering they came up from the underworld to come wreak havoc. And it's going to be, here's your Harry Potter reference so late in the game, but it's basically going to be like, in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows when we're at a point where the Death Eaters are just wreaking havoc upon the town. Uh, We're going to have a bunch of people in masks once again running around just, you know, destroying everything. A little reminiscent of Wayward Pines as well. (laughs) Yeah, very, very. The the, the walls are down. 
They, they, these people might be a uh, hyper evolved Camelotians. We don't even know at this point. So let's, let's try to uh, theorize a little bit here, Kirsten. We only have one episode left before we break for the winter. I mean, first of all, I'll ask, do you think that this is all going to get resolved over the course of an hour where they'll be able to drive away Nimue and all the dark ones and Hook and Emma will become normal again? I've said no before. But I always underestimate the powers of Once Upon a Time. Like I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if we have a back half of season two dealing with Dark Hook. I mean, again, because um, we we don't really know what can be done to cure the darkness uh, within Emma and Hook. I mean, again, Emma is still a dark one. She just seems to have it really under control now. Like she's hugging Henry. Um, you know what? I'm I would rather say yes and be wrong than say no and be wrong. So I'm going to say yes, everything will get wrapped up by the end of next Sunday's episode. I I agree. I think it will, too. But I wonder how good of an episode it's going to be. I think this would have been perfect for another two hour episode. Like what what happened at the end of season three? Yeah, because this I thought this episode had a lot going on. Like I would it seemed kind of rushed. And I was like, you know what? get rid of that Merida episode nine and, yeah. and and maybe spread this, like spread the events in this episode and the next episode across three episodes uh, instead of two one hour episodes. Um, but yeah, it's un- unfortunately I saw a casting spoiler that gives me some thought as to where things might go next season. And I try to avoid those, but it was, I just, ah, Facebook, headlines um and this it, it ties in nicely to the events in this episode um so i'm yeah. guessing that's where we're going to be headed in the next but i'm going to be vague on that yeah no i i i remain purposely vague as well but i agree with you i think we are going we might be going to a certain place that might relate to a certain disney movie uh, in its history. And so I think yes. this would be a perfect way to Anastasia. tie it all together. Yes, of course. <laughs> the the non-Disney film Anastasia. Oh. They've really branched out now. Uh, next, next we'll be doing the chicken run season. Uh, it's it's going to be great. Yeah, I I think that... So I, I, I would say, you know, I, I think that things will definitely be resolved in terms of... I think the Dark One stuff will be purged by the end of the episode, but I don't think everything will be tied up. And I think there is, you know... We just came out of this realm, and I think that's something that's that needs to be addressed one way or another because they literally opened up the gates of hell this episode. Yeah, um, it and you know usually again by this time, it, it's in any other season, it, it's it seems like we would have had this stuff wrapped up already, and that we would be spending these last two episodes setting up something almost completely new. Um, and it doesn't seem like they're doing that, which is a, it's a nice change of pace. I'm interested to see where things kind of end next episode. What's the cliffhanger? Um, hopefully it's a better midseason finale than some other shows I watched this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I and I wonder, too, because I'm they have a lot of stuff to cover here with the dark one stuff. But let's remember, I mean, the Zelina stuff might be wrapped. I still I say it's been wrapped up. You say not so much. But I mean, we still have the Arthur stuff as well. Yes, Arthur may be in jail, but he's still he was one of the big bads of the first half of this, you know, this mini arc here. I feel like if we sort of left him on the wayside with nothing to do, I feel like that'd be a a disservice to everything that we watched the first five episodes. Oh, yeah. He forgot. He's still got this this big plan to 
turn Storybrooke into a modern day Camelot. Yeah, like he, though, I, I, it's, it's, and it's interesting comparing like when he killed that guy Griff and how we were like salivating over that, and then compared to a few episodes later when he gets caught very easily and tries to dispose of evidence in the fire where he uh, right where everyone is. So I think uh, he's he's he biffed things up pretty big. I wouldn't be surprised if we had a little bit more of a nice bow on the Camelot storyline in terms of the uh, Camelotians in Storybrooke. Like they're kind of stuck there. They actually have a home they need to get back to. It would be nice if that was handled. Um, you know, everybody has their memories back, so they know exactly how much of a douche uh, King Arthur is. Um, so he they're gonna he's not gonna be able to operate in secret. Um, and so, you know, maybe he tries to redeem himself in some way. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a spell lifted from Guinevere and she actually sees what, you know, and then, you know, maybe there's something with Lancelot and Guinevere. It's like maybe that lake with the boat and the dark ones is the lady in the lake's lake. And she's actually. Yeah. <laughs> I actually wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised if at near the end of the episode, Lancelot comes in uh, through the through the whatever lake it is and says, you know, I found a portal back to Camelot, everybody in. And then that's when sort of like when they when Arendelle, when they went through that door in the man in the sorcerer's mansion, they then like say goodbye to them and just send them on their way. And we never hear from them again. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm I'm not completely convinced that Lancelot isn't in Storybrooke. I think maybe he's just hiding somewhere or I, I'm, I'm not. As no more as jumpsters, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as convinced as you are that he's got that he escaped the dark curse, but um, he could be kind of a uh, uh, Lancelot ex machina in terms of solving everything. I don't know. A deus ex Lancelot. Yeah. Or at the uh, very least, it's like you, you want Guinevere to you know, Guinevere is basically, you know, inspelled by King Arthur and the sands of Avalon. And you know, she shouldn't li- continue to live in that kind of nightmare world and so ideally you'd want to see her freed from arthur and back together with lancelot and so guinevere lived in stockholm syndrome for the rest of her life the end did i mention this this shows about happy endings there we go uh so if you guys have any theories as to if lancelot might come in to save the day or if you think Merida will have some sort of significance, it doesn't look like it. Or if you think that Zelina and her baby are truly out of the picture for right now, you have a bunch of ways to contact us. As always, you can leave comments here on the Post Show Recaps page. And while you're here, be sure to subscribe to our Once Upon a Time only feed at postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. I know we're nearing a break right now, but we always appreciate uh, any feedback you have in terms of rating and reviewing us. And as always... You can follow us on various social media outlets, specifically Twitter. Kurt, how can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I am at Kurt Clark on Twitter. And just a, a programming note for people who are, you know, have an interest in Once Upon a Time. I believe that the live version of The Wiz is coming on this Thursday. That might be something that has a crossover audience that people would be interested in seeing if they've never, for some reason, seen a production of The Wiz. Uh, yeah, the- absolutely. Uh, Mary J. Blige is basically playing the version of Zelina. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, and I, I'm as a huge musical theater lover, I'm I'm so excited for that. And the Once Upon a Time crossover only makes it uh, my fever that much more fervent. As always, you can find me at a Mike Bloom type as well. Uh, even though we're starting to get into the winter times here, keep subscribing here to Post Show Recaps. Uh, there's fantastic stuff going on with the leftovers right now. Walking Dead just had its midseason finale. Uh, we're going to be coming back for a few SNL episodes in a few weeks. And if you guys are tuned into the uh, Most Shows Recap Show, I'll be on there this Friday talk about the most recent season of South Park, which uh, has discovered an overarching plot line that is almost as convoluted as what's going on with Once Upon a Time this year. Nice.
So, Kurt, any other uh, things you want to talk about, or should we get right to the hashtag? Um, I was going to consider meaty action for the hashtag, but let's avoid that and go with extreme dark curse. Yes, extreme dark curse, because we all love Wayne's World. So uh, thank you guys so much, as always, for listening. Uh, we, we always appreciate uh, listener feedback and, of course, uh, all the great stuff you guys do with us, for us, talking to us. I hope you guys all had great Thanksgivings, by the way. Very belated. Well wishes for that. So we will talk to you again next week for the final episode of the first half of this season to see if everything will truly get wrapped up or whether things will be opened up and blown out of proportion. So as always, extreme, uh, uh, hashtag extreme dark, extreme dark curse. Was that right? Yep. Hashtag extreme dark curse. If you made it all the way to the end of this podcast, thank you as always for listening. And remember, if you see some purple smoke, uh, you better pack your bags and get your out of office notifications up. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.